There is a video on YouTube that has gone viral, and let me give you a little background to it before I show it to you. Driscoll Middle School was involved in an intense football game. They had 11 obstacles trying to keep them from reaching their goal line. 11 opponents who, in essence, by their very presence, were saying to them, there is absolutely no way that you will reach your goal. We will do whatever is necessary to stop you. Now, Driscoll Middle School began to think outside and beyond that which is in front of them. In fact, they had a plan, and they practiced their plan. The first step of the plan, for there were two steps, the first step was to to try to draw the defense off sides. These who were so, so intense on stopping them from reaching their goal, they did what is called a hard count, and so the defense jumped off sides. When you jump off sides you get a five-yard penalty, and so the referee marked off five yards. Driscoll Middle School then came back up to the line of scrimmage to run their play. Step two. You will see when I show you the video in the very beginning, at at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a coach waving his hands. It is Driscoll Middle School's assistant coach, and he is announcing or yelling to his team, that's not a five-yard penalty, that's a ten-yard penalty, which is not true. But him yelling that confuses the defense. And so the quarterback, he yells at the quarterback and says, mark off another five yards, which he can't do, but which he did. And so he leans down to the center, tells him that he wants the ball so that he can walk five more yards while the defense is stunned. Here's what happens. So all you Browns fans, text that to the coach right now. (laughs) See what happens when you got a good plan? So I have a question for you. What are the 11 obstacles in front of you right now keeping you from your goal? What are the 11 opponents that are trying to hold you back and are so anxious to stop you from reaching your goal line. We know a young lady who has a goal in life, and right now she's dealing with physical issues. They can't decide what's wrong with her, and she has severe abdominal pain, and she's trying to walk through the process, and it's an obstacle to her goal. What's yours? We know a, a man who's, who's very qualified in the in the workforce, and he's been laid off now for over a year, and he's been trying to get a job, but they keep saying he's overqualified. And he wants to reach his goal, but there's that obstacle. What's yours? We know a family that is dealing with a father who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and and everything just seems to be centered there, and, and everything has stopped in its movement toward goal. What is the obstacle in your way? I simply want to say this morning that for us to achieve the goals that we desire, we need a good plan and then we got to get moving. Get a good plan and get moving. And the question then comes up, 
where do I get a good plan? In the first century, they were dealing with this issue. Where do we get a good plan? Because they weren't advancing. And in this city called Colossae, there was this group of people who said, we've discovered the reason we can't advance is because the world is a mess. You see, we think we've got a mess. They had a mess back then too. In fact, their city, which had been such an important city, was now in its economic decline. The major roads that had come through that city to bring their trade had been changed, and now suddenly their industry was going down. Sound familiar? And so they said, we've got to find an answer. And the the problem we face is that the world is such a stinking mess, and whoever created this world created it imperfect. Therefore, it's a mess. But we know that somebody created it. But we we also know that there is one who is perfect because they believed in divinity. And so they said there is one who is perfect, but he evidently didn't create this world because if he who was perfect had created this world, it would be perfect, and it is not perfect. But somebody did create this of divinity. Then why isn't it perfect? So they said, we've got to get back to the one who is perfect. And I need some help this morning. So I'm going to ask the one, two, three, well, whatever, you all... Right here, stand up right here, right here. This row, right here. That, don't look at me like that. Just stand up, whole row, stand up. Okay, this row, stand up. Jim, your, your, your row, stand up. Okay, this row right here, stand up. There we go. This row right here, stand up. Richardson's, there you go. And we'll end with this, this row right here. All right, now turn around to those folks and just show them how pretty you are because they're wondering, so just turn. There you go. Just wave to them. There. Aren't they, aren't they gorgeous? There we go. All right. So here's the issue. There is this divine being, one who is absolutely perfect, and you're it. Raise your hand. This is the divine being that's absolutely perfect. Now we have got emanating from him because we've got to get to the place where somebody created this earth. Here's what they said, that everybody, everybody from this point on were emanations of this perfect being, not so perfect and not so divine, and each successive one less perfect and less divine. So Jim, sorry bud, you're not as perfect, you're not as divine, but you're better off than these guys here. They're less perfect and less divine. You guys are miserable. Less perfect, less divine. And you all, boy. So this being right here, far down the emanations, hold this, created the earth. Hold that up. And I want to tell you, you did a messy job. Not a very good job. Now here's our problem. They're all divinity. If they're divinity, then we have to placate them because they're stronger than humanity, even in their weakened conditions. We must there create a way to honor them, and so we create religion. Religion is our way of placating. It is those holy days, those laws that please them, those liturgies that say we recognize you. And so we honor them, but the one we want to get to is right down there. Raise your hand. That's the perfect one. And we're stuck down here. So what we're going to do is we're going to work our way back because we've got to start where we are. So we honor this one. You're not going to pass that. You're stuck with it. You made the mess. So what we do is not only do we have religion, we have mysticism. We have spiritualism. See, all of these beings live on planets and stars. 
and they control that area in their imperfection. So we will use astrology to gain knowledge because if I can get knowledge from that one and then move from him to the next one and to the next one, I will eventually get to perfect knowledge which will give me a perfect plan for living my life. Now to get there, not everybody will do it. It will be a secretive group who will understand the special knowledge of the universe. And we will move from place to place, understanding the knowledge. The Greeks called it gnosko. That's where we get the word Gnosticism. And this Gnostic philosophy said that I will continue to gain understanding and knowledge quietly and secretly because not everybody can know this. You all out there will not know that much about this because you're just not good enough to get there. But I will understand it. And that knowledge will advance me to the perfect plan that will take care of eradicating around me all this imperfection. Now, I have to start with this one. The one who created the earth. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the most imperfect, most less divine, because look at the mess we are in. Therefore, I will start with him but I will go past him because he's the weakened one. And I will work my way all the way till I find divinity. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, there is one who is a follower of Jesus who knows what's happening in Colossae, and so he writes to them because he had been in a neighboring area of Ephesus and had sent someone to talk to them about following Jesus. And now we have this, this plan that says we will get to the divine being, the perfect one, by starting with Jesus and going by him because of his imperfections. In fact, here's what they'll tell you. That Jesus was divine. But he wasn't human. He wore a skin suit, but it was just a, a costume. Therefore, he was divine, but he was weakened in his divinity. Therefore, they did not deny his divinity, but they dethroned him because he is not the most powerful in the universe or in the world. Paul the Apostle heard that, and his response to that whole plan was simply this. He said, I want to tell you that there's already a plan and it's perfect. That is the plan that in these next weeks we are going to study as we look at Paul's word, or his words, his letter to the church of Colossae. We're going to dissect the whole thing for the weeks to come. And in doing so, we're going to understand the plan that I hope that you inculcate into your life and that we as a church will focus on for the next years, what is specifically stated in the book of Colossians. And so Paul begins clearly by saying this. How many of you are followers of Jesus in this place? Here's what he says to you. Followers of Jesus already have not just a plan, really, but the plan. My daughter, Christy, lives in South Africa, and she sent me this, and she said, this is awful, but I had to share it with you anyhow. And I'm sure she took great joy in sharing it, it's entitled, Why Men Shouldn't Write Advice Columns. And so this is an advice column, and it says, Dear John, I hope you can help me. The other day I set off for work, leaving, leaving my husband in the house watching TV. 
My car stalled, and then it broke down about a mile down the road, and I had to walk back to get my husband's help. When I got home, I couldn't believe my eyes. He was in our bedroom with the neighbor's daughter. I'm 32, my husband is 34, and the neighbor's daughter is 19. We had been married for 10 years. When I confronted him, he broke down and admitted they had been having an affair for the past six months. He won't go to counseling, and I'm afraid I'm a wreck and need advice urgently. Can you please help me? Sincerely, Sheila. John responds, Dear Sheila, A car stalling after it's been driven a short distance can be caused by a variety of faults with the engine. Start by checking that there is no debris in the fuel line. If it's clear, check the vacuum pipes and the hoses on the intake manifold, and also check all grounding wires. If none of these approaches solves the problem, it could be the fuel pump itself is faulty, causing low delivery pressure to the injectors. I hope this helps. Signed, John. (laughs) Simply want to say, if you're going to take advice, be sure the person you're getting advice from gets it. These people in Colossae said, Jesus doesn't get it. Paul the Apostle says, not only, does he not, not only does he get it, not only is he the one that created the earth, but the one you're looking for at the very end of the line, that's also Jesus. In fact, he is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's in the beginning, he's in the end, and there's nothing in between except him. He has supremacy over all things. Next week, we're going to look at that claim of his supremacy. So Paul says, the problem you're facing on the earth right now is not that you have a weakened deity. The issue is not him. The issue is you. And if you want to be eligible for the plan that will lead you to the perfection that he has for your life, he says the first step is this, that loyalty is the eligibility. Pam and I received word this week from some good friends on the West Coast. We have known them for, wow, 25 years or so. They have a daughter who has been married for several years. They have four children, really a cool family, a lovely girl. We just, we love her. And the mom contacted Pam this week and said, I just want to let you know, would you pray with us that Our daughter has decided that she wants to leave her husband and the children and go. She's done with marriage. The mom said to the daughter, have you really prayed? Because she's been raised in in a family that has been very devoted to Jesus and a follower of Jesus and understands the scriptural principles. The girl has been trained in those principles of the scripture. And so they said to her, have you prayed about what you're doing? And her answer was this, No, I have not, because if I do, I know what God will tell me. How easy it is for us not to deny Jesus, but to dethrone Jesus. To dethrone Jesus simply means that those are the places I won't let him in. I won't let him in that part of my living. So with that in mind, Paul begins his letter this way. Colossians, the first chapter, the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Paul says, I'm an apostle, which means I'm an authorized spokesperson for God, and I'm speaking to you who are followers of Jesus. Hear me clearly. 
If you want God ripping up the ground and knocking down your opponents and making your plan work, then understand what he's, how he has created you. And when you connected with him in a relationship, he has now given you the ability the ability to, to be holy and faithful. And you say, whoa, 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 the holy thing. I, I understand that, and, and I'm trying my best, but there are just incredible character flaws in me, so you can't say that I'm really holy. How many of you would say by your, by your actions in the last four weeks that you're holy? <laughs> See, there's the problem. Because we know if we raise our hands, other people will just point at us and say, we know, we know they're not holy. Except my wife, Pam, you are holy. <laughs> Absolutely. The wording here does not mean excellence of character. It means to be separated for a specific purpose, and in this context, it means that you have been separated and you are holy because you are focused and dedicated on the work and the adoration of Jesus Christ. This, this, this holiness is not an additional calendar item on your to-do list. It's not, okay, I've got my occupation and I've got my dating life and then I've, I've got the soccer game and then I've got the finals and then I've got the holy thing. This whole process of holiness means not those things plus Jesus. It means Jesus in the middle of your dating life, Jesus in the middle of your work life, Jesus in the middle of your soccer game. Jesus, in the middle of whatever you are doing, that when you are dating, you are watching Jesus work in your relationships. Here's what Jesus thinks and what he's doing in my relationships, in my dating life, and I'm adoring him in the process. It is not an addition. It is an injection of who he is so that he is the base of everything else that you do. He said, you are holy when you put his work and adoration of him in everything you do. He said, we can do that. And he said, you are doing that. As, as an apostle, a spokesperson, I'm telling you, you are holy. Not only are you holy, he said, you are faithful. That word faithful actually means you are loyal. Now, throughout the year, periodically, my wife Pam, who is holy will have some extra time when she's not working outside the home and, and doing whatever else. She will, she'll want to clean something in the house. She's not obsessed with it, but she really likes the house to be clean. And so I never know what part of the house she will go toward and work on, but she will do it. And so I can walk home, come home some night and walk in the house, and, and the pots and pans will be everywhere, and the pantry will all be all scattered, and she is redoing the whole thing. Or I can walk down in the basement and, and she's got everything cleaned up and in containers and it's just all redone. Or, or I'll walk in the house and the furniture's all moved around. I said, who helped you? I did it myself. Not only is she holy, she is all powerful because this stuff is moved. She'll even go into my dressers, into my dresser. And so I can come home and that sock drawer that had all those extra socks waiting for the kidnapped socks from the dryer to make their way and escape to find their match. And she will take those who have not been matched and she'll throw them out. She'll go into my underwear drawer and find that underwear that my mom said I should never wear just in case I got in an accident. (laughs) And so 
She's got that cleaned out. She'll find stacks of paper that I've written notes on, and she'll put them, she'll say, you've got to go through this stuff. And you say, well, doesn't it bother you that she's going through your personal stuff? No, because I am loyal. Loyalty means that she has accessibility to every part of my life. And when she does, she cleans me up. When you are loyal, faithful to Jesus, you have given him accessibility, accessibility to every facet of your life. There is nothing hidden. And the good news is when you do that, he cleans up your messes. The result is this. He gives us favor and prosperity. Paul said, grace and peace to you. It's not, it's not one of those things that we do. Guys, you know, we're like this. We'll walk down the hall and go, how you doing? How you doing? Nobody answers how they're doing. It's just, how you, how you doing? How you doing? What's happening? Hey, what's happening? What's up? What's up? There's just, just no response. You'd freak out if you said, how are you doing? And the guy sits down for the next 15 minutes tells you how he's doing. You didn't want that. Paul is not given one of those responses. He is actually giving out a prayer of blessing. He says, grace and peace to you. When you have given accessibility to Jesus in every facet of your life, when you have been faithful, he says, I release my grace. That grace, another word for that grace would be well-being or favor. When I was growing up, my grandmother lived with us for, for several years before her death, and she was an incredible baker. She just baked great stuff. Around the holidays, I really, really miss having her around because she'd walk in and she'd, she was kind of a, a, a portly woman and, and would always have flour all over her and the, and the, and the apron thing on. And, and she'd be working in the kitchen and she'd make good apple pies with an incredible crust and, and, and cheesecake pie and all sorts of stuff. But the thing that I wanted, especially when I'd go visit her when I was a child and stay with them, is that she would take the extra crust, you know, pour the cinnamon on it, roll it up, cook it. She called it a pig. How many of you ever had that? Aren't you hungry for one right now? A cold glass of milk? Yeah. So she would make the pig, and I'd walk in the, the kitchen, and she'd go, Jack, come here. She called me Gentleman Jack. I was her favorite. She'd say, I have the pig, and I've hidden it over here. And I would go have my pig. I was her favorite. Now, as I've grown up, I think I've discovered that she made more than one. <laughs> because everybody else thought that she, they were her favorite. Grace to you. God is creating something uniquely special for you to where you feel like, here you go. And you go, oh, I'm his favorite. And you don't know that he's favoring others because he can do that because you are his favorite. So in this, this walk with him, he wants to come to you and give you what you need. And so Paul's, or Paul says, grace to you, his favor on you. Grace and peace. The word peace means contentment. 
It means good relationships. It means prosperity. That as you're trying to work this thing out in life and you have connected in loyalty with Jesus, when you've given him accessibility to your life, you've put your faith in him, he not only gives you favor, he gives you peace, he gives you prosperity, that everything's working out in this plan. It's happening for you. One of the best descriptions I can give you of this prosperity is this wonderful story, true story of King David of Israel when he went against the Philistines, overcame them, and took back the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of the Almighty, the Creator. Now, in in celebrating the recapturing of this, this wonderful Ark of the Covenant, he moved that Ark of the Covenant in a way not prescribed by Scripture and, and no man should ever touch it because that kind of holiness our bodies can't deal with. And so one man touched it and died and it so freaked out King David that he didn't know what to do so he said, we've got to leave it someplace so I can figure out what I should do. So he went to Obed, Obed-Edom's house and said, here, we have God, would you watch him a while? Obed-Edom had no choice so he took the Ark of the Covenant. You know, neighbors would come by and say, what's that glow behind the door? Well, that's God, he came to visit Now, here's what happened as Obed-Edom had the presence of the Almighty stationed at his house. 1 Samuel 6.11 describes it this way. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Just blessed him. So I can just imagine that there are these kind of happenings. Obed, yes, dear. Have you noticed that our grain is taller than the neighbor's grain and and seems to be giving out a lot more fruit. Have you noticed that? Yeah, weird, huh? Daddy? Yes, little Josh? You know those horrible nightmares that I've been having? The ones I scream at night? Yeah. I said, I don't got nightmares anymore. In fact, I just, I feel so, so really good, Daddy, when I wake up in the morning. Uh, Mr. Edom? Yes, uh, I'm the guy in charge of your, your, your cattle and I just want to let you know that, that uh, it's calving season and stuff's happened that's never happened before because they're all calving and, 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 and they're, they're all healthy and we haven't had one die yet. It's just, it, it never happened here before so just watch, what you're doing, down, whatever it is, just keep it up because it's working fine down here. They didn't really talk that way. <laughs> Honey, who's at the door? Oh, 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 it's, it's, it's uh, Ebenezer and his family. What do, they, what do they want? Obi, Obi, open up. We, we just brought some food and we just want to hang out at your house. Can we just, why, why you want to hang out? Because there's something going on in your house and when we're here, there is just this sense of peace. Grace and peace be yours. Because you are a follower of Jesus because you have given him accessibility to every part of you. He's not saying to the church in Colossae that they will not have struggles and problems and challenges because you still live in this world and the world is messy. But what he is saying is this, that when you face those opponents that are messing up your life, there's a plan that goes beyond them. That 
that while you are dealing with those issues, you will find that he's giving you slices of his favor saying, here, you're my favorite. Just stay in joy, be happy because I've got you covered. Here's peace, that, that there's prosperity, that the plan that I'm working is working out so that all you've got to do is just keep walking and you're going to keep advancing. And during that process, you will discover so many things for which you can be thankful. Even though the problem is still there, you'll find me all the way through it and you can be thankful. When you live that kind of life, I want to tell you that the evidence is obvious. My son Dustin has been hanging around the house for, for a month or so and uh, a little bit longer because he's in between grad school classes and had worked the summer in Alaska. He works up there in the summers and, and in the last couple of years he has found a friend and, and so he, he's really connected with her and, and they've got this friendship going now. So if you went to Dustin's Facebook or to his girlfriend's Facebook, you would see pictures of both of them. Every, just pictures. They're, they're together all the time. She's been visiting with us now. And so if you'd have seen Dustin someplace in the city this last week, you'd, have find, you'd find her there with him because there's this relationship. In our house, we have this kind of overstuffed chair that, that, that's pretty good size, and, and, and I think they think it's the only chair in the house because they both sit in that chair at the same time. I offer them other chairs, and they look at me like I'm an idiot. I just, but we have more chairs, and they won't budge. There is a relationship, and you know how we know? Because the evidence is obvious. When you have this loyalty to Jesus, when you are loyal to his plan, the evidence is obvious. In fact, Paul addresses that in this letter, and he goes on and says this, Colossians 1, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and the love that spring from the, the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is, being, is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. In 1977, Pam and I bought our first house. And then about a year later, we were, had been doing landscaping. We said, we need, we need a tree in the side yard. We wanted a good-sized tree to do, give us shade in the side yard. And so we were telling a friend that. And so the friend disappeared, and then a couple of days later, he came back, and he had a stick in his hand. He said, here, stick this in the ground. I said, what are you, nuts? Man, you, you're kidding me here. Don't stick it in the ground. I'm not that kind of an idiot. I'm not going to stick a, a, a stick in the ground. He said, no, no, do it. He said, it's a willow branch. I just took it off my willow tree. Stick it in the ground. So we stuck it in the ground. In the weeks to come, that crazy stick took root and grew out branches. In the next three to five years, it became the biggest tree in that young subdivision. It took root. Paul says now, when it comes to this Jesus thing, I want to tell you. This whole thing is not like planting corn. If you, you plant corn and the stalk grows up and it gives off some fruit, some grain, gives out those, those kernels of corn, and then it dies down to its root. 
He said, what you're doing here and what Jesus has done for you is that you have planted yourself so that you are taking root and you will bear fruit. You are bearing fruit and it's growing and it's bearing fruit and it's bearing fruit and all over the world it's bearing fruit and you are still growing. You're not dying. And he said, let me tell you what you're planted in. He said, you're planted in hope. Hope is not a guess. Well, I'm hoping this works out. I'm hoping the Steelers win. I'm hoping the Browns win. I'm hoping the Bills get off the air so we can watch the game. (laughs) Oh, stop. This is the only thing you got excited about this morning. He said, here's the hope. The hope is not a guess. The hope is a certainty. And the certainty of the hope is that God's plan is working. That's a certainty. In fact, it is so certain, he said, it is not just kept around you where it can dissipate, where it can be stolen, where it can disappear. He said, that hope that you have is kept for you in heaven. Jesus said it this way, no one can snatch you out of my hand. God has that hope in his plan that you have in his hand, and no one is snatching that from you. The plan is working. Now, not only does he say, I've got it, but I'm going to remind you on a daily basis that the plan is working. So he says to the church in Ephesus and the church in Thessalonica, he says these words, I have sent my Holy Spirit into you as a deposit. You put a deposit on something that is yours. He said, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit so every day the Holy Spirit can say to you, I'm here because the plan for you is working. So the plan is working. The plan then is this, that out of that hope grows what Paul said is your faith in Jesus. The wording that he uses there, the verb that he uses is the Greek word en, E-N. It is a locative verb. It means location. He said, when you planted yourself in that hope of Jesus, Jesus now has surrounded you and you're in a sphere of Jesus and therefore your faith is growing as it is growing within this sphere of Jesus and that is why you are affecting the people around you. And he says, and that's why I'm giving God thanks for you because your influence has deepened and your scope in life life has widened. You are affecting a lot more people because your faith in Jesus is growing because you have kept planted in that hope. He said, that is the plan. And so for these next weeks and months, you're going to hear us repeat this over and over again because this is the plan in its simplicity. And how many of you in this place need things simple? I do. The plan is this. Reveal Jesus. That's the plan. He said, as your faith is growing in Jesus, he gets revealed. As you put your, yourself planted in that hope, he gets revealed. You see, the, those Gnostics that were getting that little bit of knowledge that they were going to hope that would give them the plan, and they're keeping it a secret, they get together and go, okay, now this is the secret. Don't tell anybody the secret. Only we know the secret. Okay. Don't tell anybody the secret. Paul the Apostle shows up and says, here's the secret. I've got the secret. Because later in this letter he says, and the secret is this, the mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the secret. Christ in you is your hope. Christ in you is the plan. 
And when you do that, the hope of glory is the knowledge you need that gives you salvation for your life that you have been seeking for. It is Jesus. Tell everybody that's the secret. Because some of you think a secret is something you tell people one at a time. That's what you think a secret is. He says, tell everybody, here's the secret. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if we've got the plan, then we've got to act on it. The plan's got to be walked out. The action is its authenticity. Because if there is no action revealing Jesus, then we are really not connected to Jesus. He says, look at Epaphras. Epaphras showed up to reveal Jesus, and it so changed you that he saw the fruit of faith because he said, he said this, he said, you are planted in that hope, And that hope has produced a faith, and that faith has a fruit, and that fruit is love. The action is love. It's the kind of love where no sacrifice is too great for the person that you love. It is the same word John, the follower of Jesus, used when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the love that courses through you and me right now. It's the love that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a basin and a towel and he washed the feet of his disciples, that which only a servant would do. And he said, if you really love me, if you really want to be like me, do as your teacher has done. Serve one another. Last year, in the beginning of the year, about 50 leaders of this church got together and we said, God, what is, it, what is the target? What is the focus? What is the thing that we should do that you want us to do in these years to come? Because we've got all these ministries, we call them silos of activity, but we've got to be targeting the same direction. And we said, what is that thing? And through all the months, almost a year work of, of a process, And a couple months ago, we got together and said, here's what you said and here's what we're doing. It was simply this, that we are called to serve everyone, every day, everywhere. That we have to be known as a community of faith who serves other people. That's why we're asking every small group, we're asking every outreach ministry, every family, every individual to find every opportunity given you and serve those people where you are given that opportunity. That is the way that we reveal Jesus. In your service folder this morning, you received a document. It is a description of where we are headed in these next months and years, and it's simply called Reveal Jesus. You don't have to read through it this morning. I'm going to give you a a brief description of it, and then I want you to read it because it's where we're headed. People say, what's First Assembly doing? This is it. The plan is reveal Jesus. And we have a goal. And that goal has three acts. We are talking about the first act as I introduce it this week. And then we're going to do a second act and a third act because we have some actions we have to take. Those three acts include these things. First of all, love Jesus. In our loyalty and our dedication of his work. See, the reason we can serve, you say, I don't have time to all that. Well, here's the deal. If Jesus is working in your dating and working in your 
occupation and working in your preparation for finals, then if Jesus is working and you're adoring him in that process and you have opportunity to serve there, that's him saying, serve there. It's not, I've got to go find some place to serve. You can serve right in your life every day. That is the way that we honor him. When we do that, we get to know him better. So love Jesus. Here, I'm going to ask you to do this as you love Jesus. The first thing you've got to do is we've got to understand what he said to us. And so I'm going to ask you this year to really delve into what the Holy Scriptures say. We have so many people available to teach in our teaching. And if you're not involved weekly in understanding what those scriptures have to tell you, then you're not loving Jesus because the degree you love his word is the degree you love him. Because here's what happens. When you read his word, his word reads you. So I'm going to ask you to open up and have accessibility to Jesus into your life by reading his word. Secondly, have people mentor you in the process because there are those who have walked through so much more than you who want to help walk you through understanding how those, those words and how those teachings apply to you. If you have no one mentoring you, then you are weakened in your condition. And you have a tendency, as I do, if I have no one mentoring me, to close accessibility to Jesus. Thirdly, as you read and study his word and have someone walk with you in a mentoring situation, an apprenticeship, then you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit in gatherings such as this one and say, okay, Holy Spirit, in my worship, talk to me. How do I apply this? So I'm gonna invite you to do that on Sunday mornings as we worship. I'm gonna invite you to do that on Wednesday night starting this week at 6.30 as we talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in your life right in this room. I'm going to invite you to join with about five or six so far communities of faith of this region that are going to gather together on January 14th on a Friday night, and it'll become one of many Friday nights, where we're going to just worship for, for a long time, and we are going to have apostolic presence here, those who are fathering this region and have such a depth of understanding of God, and we're going to have opportunity for people to be prayed for, for deliverance and for healing and the fullness of the Spirit of God. This is the place you want to be, and the first one will happen here, the first gathering. It's listed in your service folder. Check it out and be here. We're going to love Jesus because Jesus will be revealed by being seen if the change is happening in our life. The second thing is we want to love people, and by that I'm talking about this whole thing of serving. And so look for those opportunities to serve. The third one is this, to love community. The Gnostics had this exclusivity, this, 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 this group of people that would get together quietly and, and no one knew it was going to happen. I want to tell you that when you plant in yourself in Jesus, when you are being in Jesus, you provide a zone of blessing for anybody who walks in. You're wide open say, come on in because the presence of God is here. So we're going to ask you to do some things when it comes to those who are outside your community of faith. We want you to invest and invite. We want you to invest in your friendships. We want you to love people the way that Jesus loved people. We want you to spend time with your friends and, and get to know them and ask them two questions. Ask them, tell me your story, because the more we know each other's story, the more we know how to love them. Tell me your story. Tell me your, your, your history. Tell me what's happening in your life. And then the second question is this, how can I serve you? What do you need? 
because I'm here to serve. Invest and then invite. Invite into those zones of blessing. When you get together with the gang and you're just, you're just there having fun, invite those folks in to be friends with them too because wherever someone who is following Jesus is, there's a zone of blessing that those people need to experience. I want you to invite your friends here on Sunday morning. Who else is going to invite them if you don't? And so I want you to begin to, dis- to discover who it is around you that needs to be in a place where they can sense who God is. Invite them in this place or take them to wherever is close to them but get them in a place where there is worship because there will be an exposure to who God is. So invite them and invest in them. If we do this, if we stay focused on revealing Jesus personally, they will see Jesus in us. So if we love Jesus, and if we love people, and if we love community, and doing that we reveal Jesus, I'm going to tell you this, we will absolutely change our world. So the last question was this, are are you ready to change the world? I want to tell you you are. We're going to end this by letting me tell you, as Paul the Apostle did, saying this stuff is not just some feasibility, it's happening in you. So we came to the Christmas season and we said, we've got to change the way that that we've been doing this. We've been inundated with commercialism and and consumerism and and materialism and and it's not what it's all about. So we said that, that we would worship more, that we would spend less, we would give more, and that we would love all. We said what we wanted to do was spend less on ourselves and hoard it and instead we wanted to save lives that thousands of people are dying today by waterborne illnesses around the world and we can stop that. With just a minimal amount of, of, of what we spend at Christmas, we could actually stop that illness. So we said we wanted to put a water well in a village in Tanzania. The Loibosort village in the Simanjaro region of Tanzania, we said right there we want to put a water well and we said to you, come Christmas Eve. And let's give it an offering and let's change their lives and let's save their lives. And so we came Christmas Eve to give. And I want to report to you, you know, we we said that it would take about $20,000 to give them the optimum well that they need, which is not only the water and the well drilled, but but something to power it, some kind of generation like a windmill. It would be about $20,000. A little less of that, we could, they could do a hand pump, but we wanted to at least give them a well, $20,000. So you gathered on Christmas Eve. Did we get 10000 Now you did better than that. How about fifteen? Ah, you did better than that. Oh, really, Twenty? No, you did better than that. Twenty-five? You did better than that. 30? Well, you did better than that. 35? You did better than that. Here's what you did. Do you know how many people's lives are going to be saved by that? 
they start drilling that. I was told that probably next week they will begin drilling that well. Do you know how many lives that's going to change and what joy that brings to Jesus? Because you are living out what he asked us to do. So we're going to end with a celebration, so stand. We're going to sing a celebration, and then I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then you're going to go out and you're going to change your world because you're already doing it. And so would you just celebrate? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing, and if you know how to dance, dance, because we're celebrating almost $37,000 that nobody said they had suddenly showed up because you sacrificed. And it's changing some lives in Tanzania. It will be changing some lives, and I'm just pumped about it. I'm excited. When the totals came in, man, I can't tell you. If I had high blood pressure, it would killed me because it just, it just, I got psyched. I love you guys. It was so incredible. And so let's celebrate, and this is the song we're going to sing because it is our call to reveal Jesus. Let's sing this, and then I'm going to pray a prayer, and you're out of here, and let's change our world. Jesus lifted high, abandoned and flies across this land. And all that might see the truth and know, He is the way to heaven. We want to see Jesus lifted high, abandoned and flies across this land. And all that might see the truth and know, He is the way to heaven. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We wanna see, we wanna see, we wanna see Jesus lifted high. We wanna see Jesus lifted high. A banner that flies across this land, that all men might see the truth and know He is the way to heaven. We wanna see, we wanna see, we wanna see Jesus lifted high. We wanna see, we wanna see. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. Every prayer's a powerful weapon. Struggles come tumbling down and down and down and down. We want to see Jesus lifted high. A banner that flies across this land. Then all men might see the truth and know He is the way to heaven. We're going to see we're going to see, we're going to see Jesus lifted high. We're going to see, we're going to see, we're going to see Jesus lifted high. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. Every prayer's a powerful weapon. Strongholds come, tumbling down and down and down and down. We want to see Jesus lifted high. A banner that flies across this land That all men might see the truth and know He's the way to heaven We're gonna see, we're gonna see We're gonna see Jesus lifted high We're gonna see, we're gonna see We're gonna see Jesus lifted high Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord! Hallelujah!
So I always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when I pray for you. Because I have seen your faith in Christ, Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. And all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. God's blessings be upon you, and may that which you have planted this week bear fruit in your very life and before your eyes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.